Three, two, one. Welcome to another episode of the Stoned Apes Podcast. And it is your Reverend back. How are you guys doing, Ape Nation? I'll tell you what, I am joined here today by a couple of guests. And before we get started, I want to give a big shout out to our sponsors and partners, the Grunt Style Foundation. This episode is brought to you by the Grunt Style Foundation. They are our partners in advocacy and outreach for active duty first responders, veterans, and their families. So thank you to the Grunt Style Foundation for supporting us and everything that you do. Today, I am joined by a couple of guests from Overland 573. You guys are a bunch of off-roaders, aren't you? Sure are. Yeah, and so (laughs) I'm probably going to get all the names wrong, so I'm just going to let you guys introduce yourselves. Um, But uh, we'll start over here with Brandon, because I know your name for sure, and kind of guessing on his but we'll get back to him later (laughs) no i'm playing i actually know your guys' name all right so brandon why don't you go ahead and just tell the audience a little bit about who you are how you got started in this and what the hell we're doing together today yeah so my name is brandon i am uh kind of just a lover of all things outdoors off-road really you know what what got what got me into the uh the scene i guess you could say is just my love for building destroying uh, <laughs> going off road, just, uh, in general, man, you know, like everything about what we do is, you know, that's me is <laughs> you, right? Yeah. Well, well, how that's okay. Keep going. Sorry, dude. My fucking, I'm stoned. It's okay. We're allowed to be stoned yeah. here. That's why they call it the this is what happens. Days. This is what happens when you start with me. You got to let me flow into it. You, you got to let you flow into it. All right. Well, we'll I'll shift over it. to your boy. All right. So, Jesse, why don't you go ahead and tell the audience who you are and how you got here and what you're about? So, my name's Jesse Schwint, and how I got into the Toyota game. About six years ago, I bought a 1995 Toyota pickup truck, and I wanted something I could just absolutely beat the piss out of. Drive 90 miles to work one day, drive it home, do that six days a week, and I was fine. And, you know, I just kept hearing everybody talk about these Toyotas and how reliable they were and how good they worked. And ended up, I, I bought that thing, and man, I tell you what, I drove from Bonterre, Missouri to Edwardsville, Illinois every day. And how many miles was on it when you it, bought it? Uh, right at 300,000. Holy shit! What year was this? Ninety five. Uh, so when I when I bought when you it, bought it, it was twenty sixteen, twenty seventeen. <laughs> wow. And okay. Oh, for sure. So it took me a lot of learning how to drive something like that, ninety miles one way every day. But once I got it lined out, and you couldn't ask for a better vehicle, and ended up I ended up getting another Ford, and nothing against Ford. I love Ford. I'll always be a Ford fan, but I still miss that Toyota. And here, just over two years ago, about two years, I was looking for another vehicle. Didn't know what to buy and ended up on Marketplace coming across an 07 FJ. And I tell you what, after that, history, you know, wrote itself. Yeah, I got serious FJ MV. Like, it's it's a real thing. (laughs) It is. Like, when I bought my 4Runner, I was so pissed that I didn't get an FJ. In fact, 
at the time that I bought my Forerunner, I had the opportunity to buy an FJ, and I think my Forerunner was like ninety five or ninety eight hundred dollars at the time, and the FJ I think was selling for thirteen. Mm -hmm. So they had a little bit of a markup, but it wasn't like it is now. Oh God! And I thought, well, that is so fucking stupid. Why would I pay thirteen thousand for an FJ when I can go buy a Forerunner for you know four grand cheaper? Now that same FJ is like thirty grand. Oh God, yeah. And I'm like, dude, I screwed that up so bad. Well, and that's the thing is like, I wasn't even looking for an FJ when I found it. I was looking for an 05, 02 to 05 Chevy, 15, 2500, something like that. Gas rig, just, we have them on the farm. You know, they're reliable rigs. Their parts are a dime a dozen. And I came across this FJ in Arkansas and they only wanted 10.5 for it with 200,000. I mean, that is a good deal. It See, to the audience that's listening, though, and I think this is an important part of this conversation because I'm a Toyota believer. Absolutely. Now, I've also been wronged by Toyota, so I got some things to bitch about a little bit with Toyota, <laughs> yeah, but I'm every, not going to get into that too heavy. Every brand has it. it every mean, brand does. So, every uh, brand is guilty, right? Yeah. Toyota's not perfect. Absolutely not. But there is such a difference between a Toyota product and any other product. I was primarily an American-made, and, and, and I like to talk about that, too, because I think that is a falsity. That gets promoted. This whole American made. No, 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 no. American company anymore. does not mean American made. Absolutely not. Toyota no. Tacomas have been made in Texas for how long? Oh, well, yeah. I, I just bought that Nissan pickup truck and it's built in Mississippi. Right. It's engineered in California and most <laughs> of the parts are produced in Michigan. So it's like the it was engineered in California. The parts are produced in Michigan, shipped to Mississippi, and then they build the entire truck in Mississippi. It's more American made than most, you know, GM and Dodge, especially. Dodge isn't even existing anymore. One thousand yeah. percent. And people don't realize that. Like all of the money that's going into these companies and, and you know, Toyota, I heard a thing. I teach business at college mm -hmm. and uh, we were talking about foreign exchange rates, you know, yen versus the dollar and all this other stuff. And Toyota Motor Company has so much money invested in the United States that if the dollar was to fall one yen, just one, that they lose something like over a hundred million dollars in investment. That is how much money they have invested into our currency. Do hmm. they have a vested interest in making sure that the United States dollar stays strong because they have put all of their holdings and investment into the dollar? Right. Is, so, is there a timeout in that with the current administration or? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's an ebbs and flows. Okay. Like anything that we do with that is always an ebbs and flows. But you you see that with like Toyota, like producing plants in the United States. Mm -hmm. You know, look at all the, the Nissan plants that have opened up. Nissan opened up in, in uh, Mississippi. They opened another one up in Tennessee and Nashville. Um, they've been building plants and Toyota's the same way. We have a Toyota manufacturer. Um, I don't know if they're still here, but there was one in St. Louis. A big parts hub for Toyota was actually built here in St. Louis for Maybe. a while. So the one thing about forerunners is forerunners have always been made in Japan still to the to today. So the next generation of the forerunner they're going to be building here, mm -hmm. and like a like a forerunner like well I'm a forerunner guy, and you were a forerunner guy as well. And there's something about having a Japanese made forerunner that I, I there's something to it. Uh, you know I I feel well, like they the, work. They, they work. Just, yeah. They don't fail. I mean if they, they don't. fail, they, it's a couple bolts. You're off the trail. Now I can actually yeah. explain this. Would you like me to explain to you why the manufacturing process in Japan is so good? Well, I mean the the stop and everybody has a say. 
Yeah, that's uh, part of it. Yeah, well, go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. So um, this is actually a study that I did when I was in my PhD program at Walden. I was uh, I had the opportunity to look at a uh, cultural value as it applies to manufacturing practices, right? Okay. So one of the things that really interested me and the reason why I picked up this this particular study was the Japanese automakers actually don't have better technology than American auto manufacturers. Okay. In fact, uh, if you look at a lot of the machines, just like their vehicles, is is a little bit more outdated, right? You go to buy a brand new Toyota, it's going to have GMs are three years ahead, right? They are. They, yeah. they are. They're, so there. So there's reasons for that. Actually, this is a real uh, a designed purpose. So the reason for that is one. Toyota tests things longer than anyone else. So Toyota won't roll out, like for a few years ago, uh, Dodge and them, this is when I had little kids, so I cared about it. Remember the stow-and-go seating in minivans? Yes. Right? Brandon's like, I never owned a fucking minivan. <laughs> but no, they had the stow-and-go seating in the minivans. Right. Well, this came out in American car manufacturers like Dodges, Chrysler, Chevy, whatever. Yeah. These all came out three years before Toyota even tried it. Mm-hmm. And it was so frustrating because I really love that feature, but you couldn't buy a Toyota minivan that had a stow-and-go feature. Mm-hmm. But the reason why they do this is because they test everything longer until it meets a certain reliability requirement for them. They won't per- move it to production. Then the other thing that changes is actually it has to do with the Japanese worker and it's their culture. Japanese workers, um, good or bad, I'm not going to try to sell this as a good thing because they have some work practices. Like I get a little upset here with our 40-hour work weeks and all this stuff, right? I'm not trying to say that I agree with all of this. But the one thing that they do that is different is they have this obsession with the quality of their work. They remember when you were kids, like our our parents used to tell us, like your name's on that. Remember, I was my dad did that. Like if I went to go do a chore. My dad would be like, your name's on that. You know, if I clean the garage, my name was that. Yeah. Right. Like, I'm the one that cleaned the fucking garage. So, like, my name's on that. Mm-hmm. Well, Japanese culture takes that very seriously. And they do that even in their work culture. So, the Americans, when we're like, ah, just send it. That does not happen in Japan. Nobody just sends it. It's fixed. Because oh, yeah. their name is on that. And so they care so deeply about the quality of the product. And then you can see that translate over, especially in the Toyota brand, because what they do is like, I I didn't know this until I read that study, Lexus. So when I bought my first Lexus, uh, there's a concept, and I'm going to forget the name of it. Maybe one of you guys know it. Do you know what the master craftsmen for Lexus are called? It's right on the tip of my tongue. I'm drawing a blank on that. You're drawing a blank. I'll post it in the description for the audience so we can remember it, or I'll probably remember it at some point. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But um, you have to work for Toyota for 10,000 hours before you're allowed to even step foot into a Lexus plant. You have to be considered a master craftsman to be able to work on a Lexus and to be able to be employed by Lexus. You can't just go start at Lexus. You have to work for the Toyota Motor Division for 10,000 hours and be considered a master craftsman before you're even allowed to walk into the Lexus plant. That's like eight years? Yeah, it's about 10 years. years, Yeah. yeah. On on that note, can we, somebody that's a master craftsman with Toyota is Sheldon Brown. He's the new chief engineer for the Toyota Tacoma coming, mm-hmm. the, the new one in 24. And something I really admire about this guy is he really understands the power of the consumer and their input on things. 
they've taken the time to listen to all of our needs and what they and what the consumer wants in the truck or wants out of the truck more or less you know the 24 tacoma it's it's got turbos on it it's a four-cylinder turbo motor and it's got arb bumpers on it different throughout the various trim models mm-hmm. and whatnot but trail what's that one called the uh trail hunter trail hunter yeah yeah i've seen that, that. Thing's nasty yeah but you know it's the amount of effort that Toyota puts into listening to the consumer that these other major companies don't is just astonishing. Well, there's still one big complaint I have about like the, the new ones is like Jeep. You can buy a Jeep and you can put 37s on it day one. Mm-hmm. I mean, like a, a, a Tacoma or Forerunner, 35s is an issue. You know, 35s are still an issue. How many variations of Jeeps do you have to get to before you don't have a problem with putting 37s on a stock vehicle, though? Well, I'm just saying, like, if you want to put 37s <laughs> on a vehicle day one, you can do it. You can do it. Well, I agree yeah. with you there. I mean, that's, like, what back when I was in the motorcycle world, it's, like, the difference between Harley-Davidson and, like, every other Japanese bike that you go yeah. to make. Like, the ability to be able to customize and to set it up is different. But yeah, 100%. Definitely. I'm not taking anything away from Jeeps by any means because well, the at, right <laughs> out of the— It's a Fiat now, anyways. Well, I mean, right out of the box, Jeeps yeah. are so capable. Oh, yeah. Right out of the box. Yeah. They, and I'll give Jeep that. They Out of the box, off the showroom floor, a Jeep Wrangler is more capable than a forerunner or an fj i hate to say it but i mean you know the solid axle and uh everything there, yeah. it's just it's made it's a uh, it's an american tradition that had just fucking power Japan wagon has jumped in, you know they've jumped in on it and sooner or later people are going to realize that toyota is where it's at i mean they're just so reliable they are a hundred percent overbuilt for what they if are. you want to get to the trail you buy a jeep if you want to get home you buy a toyota 100%. yeah well you know and that's the hardest thing for me and so we can talk about that this uh, is a yeah. great segue into this because i'm in the process <laughs> i just sold my forerunner right get my dumb ass I sell my forerunner, and then the next day I go on a trail ride with this guy. <laughs> and so I go out with Brandon, and he's like, come d- take a ride with me. And, and I was like, oh, my God. I literally sold my forerunner like the right. day before, right? And uh, so it's really hard for me because I went out in his Land Cruiser, which what makes his Land Cruiser special is that it's got solid axles, front and rear, really, right? Yeah. And that it's got the three lockers, right? So you got front, center, uh, rear so lockers. I only have center and rear, so well, you only have imagine. Center. Imagine if I had a front. You know? They do come. Oh, dude. <laughs> it, well, first off, yeah. for the for the audience that's that's listening at home, uh, the most insane off roading shit I've ever dreamed of doing, I did that day in his <laughs> freaking Forerunner, oh, yeah. which blew me, or, or in Land Cruiser, which blew me away. I had no clue something could be that capable, um, especially when you don't see it. Like, it doesn't really look like it's... That's when them spotters come in the place. Yeah, it looks like a yeah. fucking mom mobile. Like, I'll be honest with you. I was yeah, like, man. you know, you could tell it's it, capable. It is. But it's you know, a, I consider it a sleeper, you know, like the same way muscle cars have sleepers, the same way anything else. It's, oh, yeah. When it's sitting stout on the ground, you know, it's on big tires. Dude, it, 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 that's a, that flex. Sleeper's <laughs> the right word. Like, if you would have told me... When we pulled up and we were in all those Jeeps, that's the first thing that goes through my head. It's like, Jeeps are so fucking capable. And then I'm like, oh, my God, now we're hanging out with a bunch of Jeep guys. I was like, these Jeeps are just going to fucking walk us, right? (laughs) Exactly the opposite. We get out there. He goes through the first obstacle, and everyone else did the bypass. (laughs) And I was like, whoa. Exactly how it should be. Well, you have a sticker on yours that says what? Team no bypass. Team no bypass. (laughs) You went down that. We went up this hill. And we were there's side by side guys, right. and uh, all these side by side guys were like, "Go straight, 
do not go left. They're like, left is fucking terrible. <laughs> so I get back in the car with him, and I was like, all right, well, they said to go straight. And he's like, yeah, we're going left. And I was like, they said, don't go left. And he goes, I know, we're going left. And then what he does, he puts his tire right in the middle of the rut. And mm-hmm. and I, I really have to sell you on this. It's like a five-foot fucking rut. <laughs> dude, it's, my, my mirror was such a Dude, it was there. stupid. <laughs> I mean, we were on two wheels climbing right. the side of a fucking hill. And you know what everybody else did? They went, fuck they went that. Right. <laughs> and then they went right. <laughs> yeah, my dumb ass. I, I followed him. And ended up, I got halfway up it, and for whatever reason, well, ended up my CV snapped. And I think that's when it happened, because I just replaced them today. It was a mm. very long day, because I went through the whole front end of that thing. But anyways, I followed him up, and I did the same thing. My mirror was on the ground, and I was hopping, and I had to stop and back up. And it was it was pretty, I was impressed with my own rig, and I know it inside and out that it stopped and went back up. Well, that's been the challenging thing for me. It's like getting into to looking at purchasing and and the, one of the things is the Toyota tax, right? Like as soon as I oh, thought yeah. old Land Cruiser with 200,000 miles on it, I'm thinking I'm going to pick up one of these for like 7, 8 grand. <laughs> I'm going to drop in <laughs> some money, whatever. Not a you know, one. no, 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 no. Now they're like 20. <laughs> yeah. And then you realize like so here's the problem. For 17 to $25,000 I can go buy a 90s model Land Cruiser with mm-hmm. 200,000 miles on it, or I can go buy a 2018 Jeep with 60,000 miles on it and for the same money. And this yeah. is a really difficult thing when you're getting into some of this stuff. And if I didn't have the familiarity with Toyota, if I didn't truly understand the reliability difference from my own ownership experience, mm-hmm. Toyota over-engineers everything Absolutely. you know and that's what people don't realize is they say um I'll, i'm gonna pick on my lexus for a minute that's upstairs because i had an audi before the lexus audis are cool yeah. and a man yeah. i loved my audi was they're awesome bulking bitch mm-hmm. but it was a terrible <laughs> terrible reliable vehicle okay so if i would sit there and say okay well i'm gonna go stoplight to stoplight well the audi's gonna win well, can the Audi outhandle the Lexus? Sure, it's one of the best driving machines oh, on the yeah. planet. I had A6, cool. Prestige, Quattro, you name it, right? The, the, the IS350 upstairs, I mean, it's a capable car, but it's not the same thing. It's never going to win first at everything. But what they do different is... It's got 115,000 miles on it and it still drives like the day I bought it. Don't even scuff on that. You know what I mean? That's not even a Did, balk. Don't even. No, no, no. You know, I can take that car and I have mm-hmm. drove the absolute piss out of it. I do not drive that like a Lexus owner. I go out right. on back roads and I floor it and I, yeah. I drive it like I've been to racing school. You drive it like a 92 Chevette, right? Dude, I'd be, <laughs> I just ride that thing fucking hard and put it away wet. It is terrible how bad I drive that car. My Audi at 80,000 miles was no longer reliable enough to own burnt oil didn't it it, it was it was a ten thousand dollar transmission like even uh, so much as simple as like the the front and rear brakes twenty five hundred dollars yeah. for the front wow. twenty four hundred dollars for the rear that's unbelievable right the lexus maybe doesn't outperform the audi but the difference is i will one thousand percent own a lexus all day long i won't even consider purchasing an audi right because it's like what are you going to spend your money on what do you, where is your money going to go? At 300,000 miles, that car is still going to be running because they did things like it's port injected and direct injected, and right? So it cleans itself. You get all these other guys out there, well, it doesn't get as good gas mileage because it's not fully direct injected. It's like, yeah, but then they don't tell you that at 105,000 miles, you need a new $15,000 engine. Fuck. 
you know so it's like little shit like that that people the consumers don't realize that they're going to like direct injection they're doing all these things and they're putting the turbos on but like you look at the turbos Ford scare me but i mean they're 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 becoming reliable but turbos still do scare me a little bit well look at the EcoBoost, yeah. right yeah. the EcoBoost is the worst motor i can't believe people buy them a lot i cannot <laughs> believe they buy them up like crazy they, you they have lot. a 2014 f-150 EcoBoost that's over 150 with the original manifold and turbos i want to shake your fucking hand well absolutely because why because and you guys can explain this better than me but from what i know is it's the part of the turbos inside the motor and then it's a direct injected motor which means it suffers from carbon buildup issues. Mm -hmm. And both the, the internal portion of the turbo and the direct injection increases the carbon buildup. It's almost impossible to clean out. At about 150,000 miles, that motor is going to die, and you're going to have to replace it. And what are they, like 20 grand? There's some Fuck, ridiculous sure fucking funny. figure. I had, I had bought a 2013 F-150 EcoBoost in about 2018. Mm-hmm. It had fifty six thousand miles on it, and I bought it for twenty three thousand. But they had that particular motor had a bad issue with where the well, really any EcoBoost until they figured out the problem. Your turbos, you have one on each side of the motor on the lower end, on the lower side of the motor. So if you were pulling something, especially in the F one fifties, like I was, if you ran through a water puddle. And oh, you're sucking up shit. Well, not yeah. no. You 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 splashed right on your manifold onto the turbo, and you'd crack your manifold immediately. Mm. Mm. I mean, it just just design flaws. I'm not a Ford guy. I've never really been a Ford guy. I've had I've had a couple, but I'm not a Ford <laughs> guy. But at work, we have F-150s with a five liter now. This is the five liter, so I'm speaking of that. Yeah, I own the five liter, the Coyote. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. These work trucks uh, have a toolbox in the back of them. They have a fuel, you know, a fuel cell in the back to carry diesel fuel, and to carry a trailer with a side by side in them. And those work trucks have like three hundred and fifty thousand miles on them, and we beat the shit out of them, and they're still going. It's like their cabin chassis. Like I can't. I'm not even a Ford guy, but I'm like 350,000 with beating the shit out yeah, of the truck. Yeah, but see, that's like, the difference, that's right? Decent. The Coyote yeah, is a naturally, man. it's a naturally yeah. aspirated motor. They're good motors. And it's been around for, for fucking ever. Yeah. yeah. When you got a, when you have a product, I don't care who makes it, and it's been around, and it's got some reliability, and it's well-designed. You know, the only difference, the only thing I don't like about the Coyote is, to me, that's a car motor. And and I had it for towing. I towed an RV with it. And the high revving for the, the for the Coyote motor was a, was an issue because it didn't it doesn't hit peak power. That 4,500 to 55, 6,500 yeah. is your power range. You're driving in that range, you know, which you wouldn't, right. which isn't an issue until, so what happened to me is I was pulling back on the Blue Ridge and I was coming back from nor uh, on the others from the ocean uh, Myrtle Beach and I was coming up back through the Blue Ridge and we had a traffic jam and I got stopped at the bottom of one of those big, oh, big inclines yeah. at the bottom mm. with no ability to ramp up the motor I walked up that hill at about eight miles an hour <laughs> full into that fucking truck yeah I couldn't get it to rev I couldn't get the motor to rev up, so I was limping up the hill with, like, you know, I had no access to what I needed. <laughs> now, you compare that to, like, the, the motor that's in the Nissan now, which is a very comparable spec motor. It's only It's got 400 and something horsepower. It's a little bit more powerful than the Coyote, but the biggest difference is, is where the peak power band is. My peak power band on that truck is, like, 
3,600 RPMs. So I'm getting to peak power, you know, 1,500 to 2,000 RPMs sooner, which gives me a little bit more of like a diesel experience Mm -hmm. where I got a lot of low-end power, but it doesn't wrap out the same, which is why I say the Coyote motor, it my truck motor behaves more like the 6.2. Okay. The old Ford 6.2, where it had really low power band, and, and, and it was a mm-hmm. truck motor. The car motor is just too high revving, I think, to be a good truck motor, but it gets good gas mileage. And those that's just my opinion. Everybody right. out there is pissed, probably. But <laughs> I, <that's>, uh, <laughs> they'll be fine. I kind of knocked on Ford pretty hard there with that EcoBoost spill, but I got to give it to the EcoBoost. Uh, at the time when I owned that thing, I was driving all over the country pulling a 32-foot uh, bumper pull cam. Mm-hmm. And, you know, anybody that pulls a camper, it's it's a lot on a half ton to ask. But that it, it was a heavy half. I had, you know, the seven lugs couldn't find a wheel that I like to fucking put on it besides what was what came with it. Oh, the it. seven lug one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh that was the like in between years. Well, yeah. That's yeah, exactly that was the weird was. one. Yeah. You, you know, but my problem with with the the with the ford conversation it doesn't really matter it could be ford gm dodge i mean they, we can, we can lump them all into they're them, right? all the same damn thing it's the it's not the the under a hundred thousand miles look if you're just going to own a vehicle for one hundred and fifty thousand miles i could give a shit what you buy it's going to last for one hundred and fifty thousand miles it doesn't matter what brand it is and, and unfortunately that is your average consumer Mm-hmm. People are going out, they're spending $65,000, $70,000, they're driving it for 80,000 miles, and then it becomes somebody else's problem. And then you go down and you buy the same car for $30,000 with 80,000 to 100,000 miles on it, and then after about 115, 120,000 miles, it starts to break down. Yeah. yeah. You know, but because you're used to that, so I can tell my forerunner story a little bit. Because you're used to that, you don't know what it's like. Like when I sold my forerunner with 249,000 miles, in fact, it, it rolled over 250,000 miles on the test drive. And everybody that would come look at it, they were like, oh, man, I'm really worried about the mileage. No. And I was like, do you have to understand? Six like, cylinder or eight? Eight. Okay, yeah, good. it's a 500,000 oh, mile motor. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. on average, this is a 500,000 mile motor. Oh, yeah. 250,000 miles. It drives like my 2016 Lexus. It can sit for uncold pounds of time. <laughs> it starts. It fires right up. And like when we went out to Las Vegas just a couple of months ago, I was driving the truck out to Vegas. And I realized I, after like 19 hours, because we just took the Forerunner to New Mexico in mm-hmm. in like May. And it was like... Holy shit, I did this in the Forerunner. <laughs> like, with 240,000 miles on it, I drove this bitch 19 hours out in the middle of you don't the, even think about it. And didn't, yeah. and then, for 10 days, went in isolation yeah. through the mountains and everything else, doing legitimate off-roading, <laughs> and then drove it 19 hours home. Yeah, that's what you're paying for. I'm not, yeah, when you start looking at that, and, and, and then you got to ask yourself, what other vehicle than a Toyota... Are you going to go do that with at 250,000 miles and not think twice about it? Like you don't have a game plan B. Right. <laughs> yeah. That is your main security. That's your lifeline. And like when you're out there overlanding, that's your lifeline. Absolutely. You know, we were 60 miles from the nearest ranger station at one point. 
Shit happened. I'm oh, fucked. <laughs> and I'm not worried about whether my car is going to start. I'm not worried about whether I can go up that mountain or not. Yeah. I'm not yeah. worried about like mechanical failure. And that's where guys like all of us come into play. You know, it's like if you're not comfortable getting out there, you, you just kind of get a hold of us. You know, we got, you know, hit the website up or something like that. And oh, I wish website, phone numbers, Facebook, wherever you can find us, we're everywhere. Yeah. I wish to God I would have known about you guys sooner. You know, I didn't find out about you guys until much later in the game. I was already doing the Overland thing. I would have saved so many thousands of dollars <laughs> and ended up with what I wanted the first time. Yeah. And especially the education, had I just been introduced to what you guys are doing and, and the types of things that are going, you know, because you guys got a shop now, which you didn't have when we first met. You had you had a shop location, yeah, but it, it wasn't was a, the same thing. It was a maintenance garage, is what it was. It, it's, it kept our rigs going, and we'd help everybody else along the way. You know. Well, for the listeners out there that that may be interested, because I'm sure people at this point are kind of like, "What the fuck are these guys talking about?" I haven't right? introduced myself. You you you, did, well, you just you just started talking, and <laughs> started so I just talking. let you yeah, go. Absolutely, yeah. So why don't you take this opportunity? Then I'll let you introduce yourself. Why don't you talk about what you guys are doing? What is Overland 573? What is St. Louis Toyota Off-Road? Um, and what what reasons would somebody have for wanting to contact you and like learning a little bit about this? Because I can talk from my own experience, right. and I'll probably yeah. add that. But I would like to just kind of hear you talk for a little bit about that. So my name is Eric. Um, so we kind of morphed from St. Louis Toyota Off-Road into everything else. Everything kind of sprawled off from that. Uh, but my off-road history goes way back, way before I've met any of these guys and uh, anything. Uh, my background does not come from Toyota. It comes from square-body Chevys. Yep. Uh, I've had square-body Chevys my entire life, uh, from Suburbans and, you know, K, K5s and, uh, and and all that. But I've, I've been camping my entire life. Uh, you know, I grew up camping. Uh, you know, my dad RV camping from all over Arkansas and Kentucky, Missouri, wherever. So there was a, you know, there was only a short period of time when I didn't do a whole lot. My ex, blah, blah, blah. You know, I didn't do it with then. Everybody's got one of them. Everybody's got one of them. Yeah. But, uh, so Toyota came in with YouTube, honestly, uh, you know, I, I had a, I had a pretty big suburban, a square body suburban at the time. And uh, it was great. It was awesome. I fucking love that truck. You know, 35s, big, beefy, three, 350, you know, uh, AC worked in it. You know, it was, it was just a badass truck. So anyways, YouTube. I just started watching a lot of YouTube back in like, this is like 2018. Uh, and I'm like, I think I, uh, I think I want a 4Runner, you know? So I just, uh, this, so this is obviously pre-COVID bullshit, you know, so the Toyota tax was not there yet. So I bought my Toyota 97 uh, completely stock. For twenty four hundred dollars, uh, which, those were the days. Yeah, those were the days. Yeah, I'm <laughs> so mad right now. I just got my ninety five yeah. for thirty two. I want to walk over there and kick him in the shit. <laughs> yeah, regularly, regularly. I, get I got, a, I got another buy that's even better than that. Shit. After COVID, so uh, oh man, we'll be beating Not you with a rubber hose by the time yeah. we're done with this. It'll be fine. <laughs> so Barbie we'll be the so first person whipped on air. <laughs> so yeah, you know all all the all the you know COVID bullshit. You know drove the prices through the, through the roof. But anyways, through all that, you know, more YouTube. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna back up a little bit from that even. Uh, backpacking, and uh, and and uh, mountain biking and stuff like that. That's kind of where it morphed. Photography. I don't know if you've seen my 
Uh, all- this guy takes some of the best fucking pictures you'll ever see. Really? Legit. Sounds like competition. <laughs> <laughs> so photography is where... where well, where that explains why me. you were so into the art. Uh, probably. You're yeah. into photography. I am. I really right. into photography. You guys sat over it. there and talked about the art on the wall for... 15, 20 minutes. Yeah, he yeah. was the first person to ever show any interest in the art. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I do. You would think do. it would be the one thing that would draw it. attention. You but know it the doesn't. one yeah. thing that draw my attention? Hmm. The titties on titties? the wall. Yeah, well, that, that gets most people. <laughs> you know, yeah. it, it, titties make everything better. I mean, you know, that's like bacon. <laughs> bacon and titties. It's, it's a giant lounge full of nudity. It, it really does I get people. I, I love the guests that come in, and just a sidebar a little bit. Yeah. But I love the guests that come in, and then they can't hold a conversation because they're too busy looking at the wall. You know, you watch them get distracted, and they're like, oh. Or they'll find a photo they really like, and they just start staring at it a little awkward, and you're like, I tell you. Over here, over here, come I'll back. I'll tell you what's distracting them is the titties. Yeah, it's, it's definitely. <laughs> you know, obviously, I see, you know, obviously the nudity is, I mean, I, I, I like it, but I, I mean, it. it's, it's just artwork to me. It is art. Yeah. I, mean, I don't really see it as nudity. I see it as art. I took a, a lot of care and time into making sure that it was art, no, not by, pornography. By no yeah. means yeah. am I knocking it. Oh, no, 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 not at all. I, I mean, there's there's a few pieces that skirt that line, oh. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, you I know. like, I like a little humor in my, yeah, in that, my that one over there on the shelf is definitely skirting that line, uh, which may have just went completely over the line actually, but, uh, <laughs> you know, no, so it's there. So yeah. So you got into photography. Now we can get back on topic. Yeah, photography is what drove me. Um, Bought my first camera, uh, went down to the Smoky Mountains, started taking pictures of everything. And uh, with, with social media, I started getting a little positive feedback, which drove me even further. Uh, you know, so hiking, backpacking, taking my camera everywhere I possibly can, taking pictures of everything I possibly can. Uh, and then backpacking kind of morphed into wanting to get out there easier. Obviously, you know, you buy a Forerunner. uh stock it gets you some places you know you know through the kayak on top taking float trips taking photos on float trips and then uh you you just progress from there you lift kit and it it just you know blows up from there then you then you're then you're full-blown overlander or whatever uh but photography has always kind of been at the base reason why i did everything i did uh you know i, I took a i took i did take a I set the camera down for about a year you know, I'm like, I'm just kind of done with it. And then I, another guy in the group started taking some photos and I'm like, you know what? I really need to get back into this. And in this past year, I just kind of like blown up and try to take the best photography I possibly can. So every trip I take, uh, you know, I, I try not to let it take away from anything that we're doing. If it's a, if it's a group run, I don't want it to be the, the nuisance, uh, whether it's, you know, the video videography or the photography, I want it to be all natural. I don't like the, the, photo setups where people are standing there like say cheese no i like the candid photos i like everybody you know enjoying their time organic organic yeah. yes I, li- I like those shots the best and it shows that it shows the truth of what we're doing uh what we're doing out there uh, which kind of morphs into you know what we're doing it, it morphs into overland 570 yeah i mean yeah 100 we, we do not try to be something that we're not we don't try and hide anything yeah we want to be as grassroots and organic as possible you know, so it, you know, in the shop, you come in and it might not feel like your typical garage or your typical tire shop. You know, we're, we're it's always chill, man. For real, we're you always in hang a good out. Mood. Come and hang out. We, we do it because we love it. You know, I got off the road, I quit traveling 
to do this because I love it. I, the amount of people that this FJ Cruiser has brought into my life and the amount of good connections has truly saved my life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it goes into what Stoned Apes is about, you know, between <laughs> not so much that Toyota and pot or marijuana or weed or devil's lettuce, whatever anybody wants to call it. It's not a drug. It's, it is really a medicine. And I come from a very conservative Bible belt, you know, we're not Bible thumpers, but we're good people. My family is just as good as you could possibly ever meet. And I don't have a bad word to say about anybody. Weed and Toyotas. <laughs> I mean, okay. just that, go together. Just go together. Yeah. Hand they, in hand. I mean, <laughs> if, it, if it was not for them two things, I honestly cannot say I would be here today. Really? So just kind of hundred percent. I mean, you know, and we talked about you know how we all got into the Toyotas, and it, it was one of them things when I bought my '95 that it just felt com- it felt it comforted me. <laughs> yeah, I don't I know. Can, I can mm-hmm. definitely feel that when I first bought my Forerunner, it's the same thing. I'm like, this is I, it. This is a yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, a lot of cars, but that was it. I come from if we're talking to in the vehicle world, I come from diesel pickups i've had the power strokes i've had the cummins i've done all sorts of work you can do to them that you could possibly think of and you know it never did it for me it i loved it but i never got the feeling until i sat in that flatbed ratted out 95 toyota yeah you just gonna outlive you 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 gotta respect something that can be that percent you know i mean the guy i bought it from he used it as a construction truck and he welded a a flatbed on it and that's what really sold me you know i had this custom flatbed on those ears pick up with a flatbed on it kind of just kind of just work but for (laughs) one those beds i mean you take that you that bed on it is going to just rust away no take my bed off and it looks gone you can literally hear it rust (laughs) (laughs) i mean you can smell the rust mites yeah but you know it's like man that thing it just that's the one bad thing about japanese metal (laughs) well oh yeah the the whole rust thing i mean well that's what did back in the 90s that's what did my forerunner in so my forerunner was an 06 um which made it uh, it was actually born the same year as my oldest boy Hmm. and uh so that was one of the things about it but you know i can relate to what you were saying because i i'm a car guy and i love cars and i always have and i've owned the gauntlet of what you can expect to own and and i still own things that i think are relatively different you know uh even though i don't have quite the collection that i used to um but uh the forerunner for me became more than a car like we named it brianne like we called it Fort Brienne yeah. because we would camp inside of it. And so there was something about laying in there at night with the windows all like closed up. Cause we had the, uh, we put that insulation on the windows to keep the heat in and all that other stuff. And, mm-hmm. and we had this, uh, Japanese mattress that we would lay out and we'd just sleep inside of it. And so we just said it felt like a pillow fort. And so we oh, called yeah. it, yeah, we called it Fort Brienne. I mean, it was, a, it was, it became a part of like that outward expression of who we are. And I think you said it best when you were talking earlier. It's we, my wife and I have a genuine love for the outdoors, Mm -hmm. whether it be hiking, whether it be camping, whether it be photography, like it doesn't really matter. I just want to be outdoors. 
And the the overlanding, the vehicle part of that was like this just becomes your companion vehicle that gets you outdoors. Gets because you farther, gets you, gets you, it gets you, cool. it yeah. gets you lost, right? Yeah. It gets you to the places that you wouldn't normally be able to go, and then from there you can go explore on foot, mm-hmm. oh. you know. And that I, and then you, Jesse, brought up earlier the other part of that too is I, I think the um, the camaraderie that comes in that, like 100%. you know. This has the whether it be motorcycling, you you see a lot of veterans, you see a lot of people that have suffered trauma in life, and they come, they find things. Whether it be motorcycling, you know, people talk about, oh, the motorcycles saved my life, right? Yeah, I, oh, I joined sure. a motorcycle yeah. group. What you guys are doing is the same thing. In fact, because I, I was heavily involved in motorcycling for many years. And uh, I had bikes, and then I come from a big biker family. My brother owns a couple of Harleys and all that stuff. And I ne- I was never cool enough to own a Harley. I was broke. Uh, but uh, he was the cool kid, so he got all the Harleys. And then he would make me, like, park other places. I wasn't, like, allowed to park with Get him. Get over there on your Because he's my older brother, and he's a dick. Are you listening out there, David? You're a dick. Uh, but, no, I still love him. Uh, but I got uh, that rice burner. He was just like... The yeah. Jap bike parking is over there, right. you know, and so, uh, yeah, anyway, but when I went with you guys the other day, that is what I got so hooked on. And that's what I told my wife immediately. It was like, I got to buy another one like now. <laughs> and I was like, that is the, there was something we about the matrix on you is what we did. Well, you know, what did it for me is we were coming down. It was the end of the day and we were coming down that mountain and that was the first time that we weren't leading. You were actually in the back of the, like middle of the pack. And so we got to watch other people do it. And for me, that sold me is because I would look at these obstacles that were very technical and the first guy goes through and it was like, oh, damn, that looked really hard. And then you watch the second guy do it and then you do it. And then you look in the rear view and the next guy does it. And it's like every single person here is doing the same thing that is that requires not just a lot of attention, a lot of detail, a lot of expertise. These are not easy things to do. These, this, this isn't like a first day out of the fucking woods, you know, and to watch everybody do it in unison, there was such a, um, there was a companionship in it that I was immediately drawn to. That was like, Oh, this is the closest I've ever felt to riding in a group with a motorcycle. Mm -hmm. Like this felt like motorcycling, but it was better because it was outdoors and you have the camping and the hiking and then and the photography and all the other shit that you guys do. And then there's that adrenaline junkie side of it, you know, when Brandon decides to drive over a gulch that swallows <laughs> your car, right? If you fuck up, uh, you know. But uh, to me, I was so drawn to that, and I and I immediately just thought, with what you guys are saying, I was like, oh yeah, this is a absolutely fantastic it's, it's a blast. thing. It's it's brought. It's brought a lot of people into uh, into my life, like uh, you know, childhood friends, high school friends. Uh, you know, I, I don't much, you know, I've kind of left that life behind me, I guess you could say. But uh, the the best friends I have now are the ones that are from you know this this group and from what we've done. Uh, One thousand percent. Yeah, I mean, um, like I said, you know, STL Toyota Off Road, what the group runs, we used to do, and then, and then it morphed into this. But all those, all the people that we've met through the years. Just doing like group runs and and bringing people together, those those are my friends now. You know that's this is and it's almost an identity at this point. This is kind of who we are, you know, and uh, it it identifies us. Yeah, I have a hard time finding something to talk about other than what we're talking about right now. <laughs> it's I, all it, we talk about. It, yeah, yeah. that's it, the problem when you have a passion. Oh, I mean, it is even, a passion. If even at a family event, it's like. 
I know. What the <laughs> fuck? Ask me about my truck. I see you. There's that meme. I know you've seen me pull up. Someone ask now. Ask me about the Land Cruiser. What did I just do to my truck? Take a guess. Yeah. But What's no, there? it's uh, like we so even do, I, we do it to each other. We, you know, like I'll I'll do something, I'll pull up to the shop, and I just kind of sit in there waiting. Like, like, did he notice? Did yeah. he notice? You know, <laughs> and then you finally have to fucking say. I it. think you're <laughs> the world's worst about that. <laughs> I just did something else, guys. You have to see it now. Fuck. <laughs> but I mean, uh, yeah, just the camaraderie of it, and I mean. I don't know what else. It's a family say. thing too, man. It, you know, we we bring the kids, we bring the dogs. It's it's uh it's it's all welcome, man. Like yeah. Fucking summer, the summer events we have down at the Black River. I mean, those are some of the best, man. We, By far. It's not even like it's not even wheeling. It's not four wheeling. It's uh, I mean, yeah, it requires a little four wheel drive to get oh, yeah, to it. Yeah. But it's not far. It's a freaking half mile off the main road. And we just go to this gravel bar, and it's fucking beautiful. It is, you know, the by Sutton's Bluff, the bottom, uh, mm-hmm. what's it called? Spring, Cook Spring. Cook Spring. Cook Spring. Yeah. But um, you just go down to this gravel bar, and it, it it is the best sunrise. It is the best sunset around. This river, it doesn't matter if it's 100 degrees out, because we've camped there, there when it's 100 degrees out, hot as balls during the day i've died down there a couple yeah times. no <laughs> shit but this water is always a perfect temperature it doesn't matter it's always perfect yeah. and at night you're it's using phenomenal. a blanket it's like it gets that cool at night it is just in a, it's a magical little place and it's only a half mile off of a main road nice. it's it's awesome yeah i want to go back to uh the stl toyota off-road i wasn't there and i don't believe brandon was there at the very beginning of it but I believe it started off as and kind of carried on to in the next couple of years as a bunch of loners that just kind of found their way into a in a, a vehicle that they happened to have, <laughs> and it it brought us all together and it just amplified our well, passion for. What yeah, we do. I'm actually glad you said that because that I think for me is the weirdest uh, dichotomy of what is overlanding you have a bunch of people who require isolation we spend a lot of money to be homeless also (laughs) really you know like uh when when i go out when i go out camping typically our goal is to get well i call it get lost but what i really mean is i want to get to where i don't see people Mm -hmm. like we drove we were about uh, 56, 57 miles into the Gila National Forest. We were at the top of this um, mountain top where they had a pasture on top of this mountain. It was the weirdest, coolest thing. I'll show you some photos. But it's essentially this uh, picture a entire mountaintop. You're at 8,000 feet elevation, but the top is perfectly flat. Oh, yeah. It is like somebody just smashed it with a stamper, and then that was it. And it happened to be a big cow pasture up there. Okay. Oh, yeah. And uh, so when we were up there at night, you could see the sky 360 degrees. Oh, my God. And so when you were at the edges, you mean the sky would actually go below the mountains. Yeah. So you got the advantage of being able to see it all the way around, right? So that's New Mexico. Yeah, right? it, it um, was it yeah. was fantastic. But we left that spot as glorious as that was because in the three days that we were there, two people drove by. Oh, nice. And I was like, fuck this. Mm. Fuck this. Like, somebody just drove by, I'm out. <laughs> like, I don't Going, want yeah, to yeah. see people. Like, I don't, I want to be able to walk around naked for three days and I don't want to worry about someone showing up. No, I get it, yeah. You know? Like, and so that was enough to run me out. 
But okay. at the same time, it's also a community because I want to go do it with people like you. Right. And I want to go hang out with you and I want to go do this off-roading together and I want to do it as a group. And I, Because it's like you have people that are in both worlds. We're all loners. We're all isolationists. We're all outdoor adventure enthusiasts. But at the same time, there's a little bit of a camaraderie when you're around like-kind people and you get to go out and experience yeah. these things together. That, that's the thing about Overland. Even though we're all a bunch of Overlanders, we all show, share one common interest and that's Overlanding. So you kind of open up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And it don't matter what venture of life you're from, whether you're ex-military or police or if you're coming straight out of band camp. It don't yeah. matter. I mean, overlanding fits yeah. everybody. Well, there has to be a, a, a little bit of more, I, I don't want to say more camaraderie, but a lot of care and effort goes into the planning and building of an overland vehicle. All the way down to like packing your gear. You know, it took me a year to really learn that, which I probably could have accelerated a lot more if I would have just hung out with you guys to begin with. Well, it's entirely part of the fun. I mean, yeah, that's personally what I found fun in it is figuring out how I could best modify my vehicle to fit my personal needs. It, it, that is, t- it's a puzzle, and you just got to figure it out from the beginning. No- well, I want to back this up just to here. I mean, like, none of this stuff that we do. And I mean, I know we own a shop and we, you know, we want to sell shit. All right. But none of the stuff that we have that we showcase that, uh, that we're even talking about now, none of that's necessary. Nothing. Nothing is necessary. If you have a Ford Focus, if you have a Ford Focus, man, throw a fucking tent in there, get a, you know, good, enough water to get you through the weekend and get out there. Mm-hmm. Period. You can Period. find plenty to eat out there. You just got to look hard enough. You know, I mean, like, you know, you know Ford Focus will get you. In uh in Missouri, they'll get you enough places to be remote enough for the weekend. Yeah, 100%. you know, and the the longer you do it, the more you do it, the more ease you want from doing this, uh, and the longer trips you want to do from this, so that it morphs into like the rooftop tents because you want ease. You know, getting out a uh, a Coleman tent and with, with the freaking stakes and the in the poles, that's fine for for your you know camper once uh, once twice a year your family that's fine i'm not dissing that at all do that i want you to do that yeah you know but um the the stuff that we spend money on it's it's to make it easier on us and to make it quicker at camp uh so that you know it just morphs from there and then you know the lifts on the vehicle uh the rock sliders and whatnot That'll, I mean, that's not necessary. It'll, you can get you anywhere in a stock, well, a stock vehicle. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, you can get farther. the The more you do your vehicle, the farther you can get lost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, the bigger tires, the rock sliders, the the skid plates, <coughs> that just gets you further lost. Well, you bring up a really valid point because when I was out west, you see a lot of like Subarus and stuff like mm-hmm. that. In fact, when we were in New Mexico, we were on the Mujalon Road, uh, which had just recently opened, and we got passed. Like we were driving down the road, and then all of a sudden, this guy in this Prius like passed us, and I was like, "One, how the fuck? <laughs> Two, it was beat to shit. Like you could tell that those obstacles did not go well for him. Right. So, you know, he regretted his choices. Right. But the fact is, he was still there. He did it. Yeah. He yeah. still Period. did I know it. What that guy was doing driving a Prius? He was saving more money on gas to buy more guns. Dude, I have no <laughs> idea what the hell was going on there. I I was just shocked as anyone because that road was not easy, right. Passable. But I mean, the quarter panels were dented in. The the bottom was all fucked up. Like I mean, he paid the price for doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
that's, that's pretty much it there, paying the price. But you guys did something, and so, and again, and, and and I'm trying to communicate a little bit for the audience because I think there's a lot of people out there in the audience that was like me, or at least maybe it's my show, and I just pretend they're like me, and so I go with that. But what you, what I like about what you guys do is, it's like I have some place to go that's real hands-on research. Like the problem with YouTube and the internet, everybody's got a fucking opinion. Everybody is so boisterous about their opinion, and a lot of it is just, for lack of a better way, especially now that I've, I see it more objectively, a lot of it is just bullshit. Mm -hmm. Like, people are really out there. They know better. They're just saying shit just to be insightful. And the problem is, is if you don't know what you're talking about, you don't know who's being silly or who's being serious. Mm -hmm. yeah. And so there's a lot of bad information. Mm -hmm. And so what I liked about, like, when I went down to your guys' shop, the first time and it was like oh man well all those questions i had about lift kit they they can answer it all these questions i have about setup and spring rates and all these other very detailed things rock sliders do i need them do i need a high clearance bumper what, what do i need for this what do i need for that like now you have this group of people who have all this experience with this stuff and then now that you get the new shop you're all the way down to camping gear and the coolest part for me, and I and I know you guys promote this a little bit, but you know you still have to pay shop time. But the coolest part for me is the fact that this is a place I can come. I can pay you for shop time. I can park my vehicle in your shop, and I can do whatever that repair is. And then I have experts who will be like, "No, this is how you do that," because then I can go do things like I would never try to re-gear a vehicle or put in lockers on my own, even though I know that's actually not that difficult to do. Shit, pretty hard. It is, but I mean, but it's a doable thing. But I would attempt to do that with you. Yeah. Like I would come down to you and be like, hey, Brandon, I want to put lockers on my truck. Do you think we can do it? And then one, you're going to tell me yes or no. Yeah. You're going to be like, maybe, or maybe we shouldn't. I'm at least going to have an idea going in there. And then two, like I have the advantage of having like all these experts that are right there that are at the shop that can help me, you know, if some shit goes sideways. Like, you know, we're going to be lifting my truck here in a couple of months. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I would never have done that in my driveway on my own. You know, like when I lifted the Forerunner, I spent almost $6,000, $5,300 to pay tire bargain to put a lift kit on it. Right. Jesus. Yeah. Because for something <laughs> I could, I could have done in my driveway. It, it, it takes a day. Yeah. Literally eight hours for a lift kit on that. But when you don't know, yeah. no, of course you don't know. Mm -hmm. You know where that's the difference, right? That now I, it's like I went down to Brandon with my truck, and I was like, "Hey, um, in fact, it actually worked out really well because um, I had posted on one of the boards. I had a tent question, and then you he messaged me, and he was like, "Hey, you know, we got these tents, and he sent it to me, and it was actually exactly what I was looking for. It was like fifteen hundred, two thousand dollars cheaper, or some shit. It was ridiculous. Yeah, yeah Colorado. Options, but yeah, yeah, you saved me like two grand for sure, and it was a fucking amazing tent. Did everything that the other tent did, and then you were like, "Hey, by the way, I got hands-on experience with these. I know they're good." So then I get the, uh, you know, I get the satisfaction knowing that I'm buying a quality product, mm -hmm. and then by the time we're done with the conversation, I was like, "Oh, by the way, this is what I'm doing to my truck," and he's like, "Oh, hey, why don't we just design the whole thing and just do it here?" And then he was able to like tell me you know, choose between the suspension options that I had, tell me what was important, what wasn't important, like look at tie rod ends, look at other linkages, you know, sway bar disconnects, all this other stuff that, you know, really to me, the novice, I didn't know what I needed. Well, it's more of a conversation with, not even about the truck, it's a conversation with you. It's a conversation of what are you going to do with this? That's exactly it. You know, who who are you? Where are you going to take this? How are you going to use it? 
It's not like it's not going over. Hey, let's go over the spring race. Let's go over the lift kit. You know, it's it's a conversation with you. Get to know you first, and that's what you base the base the build off of. Based mm-hmm. off of the conversation with you. Oh yeah, he yeah. saved me thousands of dollars yeah. because when I was calling all these other places, you know, I'd call a distributor online, and it was like upsell, upsell upsell oh well you do this you obviously need piggyback shocks and oh by the way you need to have these kings and they're going to be three thousand dollars you know good shit you know don't get me wrong but i mean is it needed i was i was up to just about twenty thousand dollars i think in the build that i was designing for the truck all because it was stuff that people were telling me i needed Mm -hmm. ended up not needing any of that i think we got it down to like right around 10 Maybe yeah. a little bit under. Yeah, like I said, you know, you know save me ten thousand dollars. That's insane. Well, you know, they're not, you know, they're not carrying a whole lot of overhead either. You know, it's it's not like there's a uh, a bunch on the shelf. It's kind of as needed. Well, right. so, I mean, in the labor it, rate, it, yeah, yeah. It, it allows us to work a better angle than like, oh man, this these shocks have been on the shelf for six months. This guy's will fit them, you know, like let's get them to this guy for no reason. Well, it's, it's not even that you saved me money on like, other than the tent, everything else is the same price. Mm-hmm. What you did is you were able to explain to me like what I didn't need. Yeah, just refine down, you know, like there's wants and there's needs and some are, are must-haves, you know, so yeah, being you... able to pick through the mess is it's pretty overwhelming when it comes to designing a rig, honestly. Yeah, because that's what the, I think the first like 20 minutes you were just asking me, how do you use it? What are your driving style like? Where mm-hmm. are you going? What do you plan yeah. on doing? How do you, you know, you were more interested in how I was going to be out using it than what parts I was talking about. That's, or... well, that's the conversation that should be had. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, otherwise, I mean, what are you really buying? You know, like, like the rigs are an attachment of yourself. They need to represent what you do and be capable of achieving that. You know, without, I mean, there's nothing wrong with overkill. There's nothing wrong with high dollar parts. You buy what you want. But at the end of the day, you know, we're speaking from experience. So the parts that we've destroyed over the years, the parts that we've had to replace, the the things that we've had to beef up to allow us to, you know, be able to enjoy these trips. Yeah, like I said, you know, it's, it's all personalized. It's all about, you know, what you need, what you really need. Well, it's, and you said that to me because that's one of the things you read on the boards is they always talk about carrying spare parts. Mm-hmm. And that's the one thing I've always brought toolkits and recovery stuff, oh, yeah. and, but I've never brought spare parts. And one There's of the things of I love yeah. that you said to me the other day, where you're like, I do carry spare parts mm-hmm. and I know what I'm going to break and I know what I'm not. And it was like, oh man, what a freaking time saver that would be to like understand your rig at that level to yeah. know that this is the weak spot. And by the way, I have X amount of these parts already on my rig in case this goes mm-hmm. like, those are those are invaluable pieces of information that make what you guys do so special versus the years that I was spending doing it on my own. I mean, you know, look at the limited amount of information and then realize that I've done this for three years. Well, carrying the spare parts and knowing how to replace those are, are two different things. Uh, I mean, we can like um, for my foreigners or for most Toyotas in general. Uh, the CV chefs, okay. Um, you take a you, curse. yeah, it's curse. Okay, <laughs> change mine today. Yeah. yeah, so you take a your first time out, okay. You you brought your like, oh, my CV chefs, or that's a weak point. I'm gonna buy a CV shaft. You get out there and you break it, and you're like, well, I don't even know how to replace this. And the the initial reaction from the average you know off roader that doesn't know is like, this is fucked. I need to get a towed. Like this is gonna be a whole ordeal. Half an hour and a hundred bucks, you know, like if you know what you're doing, you got the right tools, 
It's really not a big deal. It's not, man. But but the thing is, if you don't know, you you don't yeah, know. You, you think you're done. So you know, I mean, like this thing's out for the count for six months. Yeah, we can explain it to you. You know, uh, in in a certain way. If you came to the shop, we can even show you. Like you know, this bolt, this bolt. Yeah, uh, take this off. You're good. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, like, if you don't do that, at least watch a YouTube video on on your on your weakest links of your vehicle. At least have an idea on how to replace it. Well, but see, like you just said something there. Like nobody had ever said that to me before, mm -hmm. and I did watch the videos. So you gave me important information to a vehicle that I had owned for three mm -hmm. years that I wouldn't have known. Right. I wish I would have had that information before, and that's what I think is so awesome about like what you guys are doing. It's like, man, I could have been rolling around with extra CV. And then I would have been able to, to repair that on my own because right. somebody could have showed me. Like, you know, that could have been so catastrophic for me if I'd have been in the middle of the Gila or something it like that or at Moab. Yeah. You know, a couple of those uh, passes that we took at Moab, we did individually. And that was one of the things that I'd always done, too, is we overland on our own. <clears throat> so we never have support. Like, I never have mm -hmm. a recovery vehicle. Right. You know, so, so it's like. So much more reinsurance when you get somebody watching you. Oh, it was so nice to know that if we got stuck, there was other people there to assist. Yeah. You know, like, and a good thing about the overlanding community is 99.9% .9 of us support military and uh, police. So when it comes to having each other's backs, you know, them, the, these two things just go hand in hand. Well, it, it just comes with yeah. it. You yeah. know, like we all, we all share that common and push. Well, because push of that reason. Team. You're all adrenaline junkies. Yeah. <laughs> of course you're going to correct. You're going to attract yeah. veterans and first responders. Well, like, and, we're all fucking adrenaline yeah. junkies too. And it's all about a team effort. You yeah. know, none of this is possible without a, a, a good solid core group of fellas, ladies, whoever's there that knows what they're talking about and can get you through these situations. Mm -hmm. And because of this relationship we have with our vehicles and being off road and whatnot, we've decided to work with companies like Homeward for Heroes that help us even further support and whatnot with the, the veterans, the nurses, the police force, you know, and we take these people out and they have a little booklet they work through the whole time and we're working on the fundraising. So they work through that booklet at the end of the day after trail riding, we go on trails, take them, show them off road. After the trails, we go to camp, we cook food for them and they work through their booklet as a, a thing with uh, homework for heroes. It's all set out for PTSD and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we wake up, we don't act like anything happened. You know, it's, we're not involved as much in the part of the workbooks, but we're there to help them heal just as much as the, the person with the training on how to deal with the PTSD. Mm -hmm. So in any way, shape and form that we can give back to military personnel, veterans, EMS, nurses, we jump at the opportunity a hundred percent. And me on a personal level and as well as these guys, it means so much. It, it, it truly does, because if it wasn't for these people that we're trying to help now, we couldn't do what we're doing. Well, that is really awesome. I, I, I didn't uh, actually didn't know that. Um, so you say that they come out there, you got veterans and, and individuals that have PTSD. They come out with this. You said Homeward for Heroes? Yes, Homeward for Heroes. Yeah. Oh, and then they have a, a workbook that they're doing. What type of stuff are they doing in their workbook where they're out? So we actually in... Is this like a like a journaling kind of thing? Uh, so yes, yes and no. Uh, we're so early in the stages of this. We in July we're going to Montana. Yes, upcoming, to get, 
This is yeah. yeah. This is all okay. Work. So this, this is, is in development. Yeah. In development, yes. Um, in July we'll be going out to Montana to get training on how to handle PTSD and if somebody has an episode or a, an outbreak or something, you know. I don't know what the correct terms is, so don't judge me too harshly on that. Oh no, not at all. But, you know, you know, we just like I said, we want to help the people that got us here. That's that's our goal. Oh, that is awesome, so, and that's super commendable. Well, maybe there's going to be some stuff then that we can do together. Um, you know, obviously so. the the Stone Apes has got a pretty large veteran following, uh, first responders, and uh, we have families and everything else. And then uh, obviously what we do with the Grunstyle Foundation. So yeah, we're gonna have to get out and go do some stuff together and and get some of that going. Maybe put on like a veterans event or get like yeah. a Stone Apes ride or something like that. Put there, it in no the works. doubt. I'm, yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm all about this whole like camp camp smoke off thing. Like that's oh. what I want. I want a Stone Apes event where we go out, we four wheel all day long. Hell, what we'll we doing tonight? We get, so. <laughs> we, we yeah, we we get to the evening, and we just smoke out. So we got an event coming up. Is it January? Yeah, January eleventh. We're having, that sounds cold. Our, well, it, sounds perfect. It, it's not an off road event. No, oh, okay. It, it might lead into one, and if it does, I promise you, it will be the most epic off road event you'll ever go to in your life. <laughs> We're in our. I'm gonna small, hold you to that. Our small town of Park Hills, Missouri. What, what does anybody know the population? Not three. Yeah, yeah. Maybe two and a half. It's probably three thousand <laughs> to five thousand. Um, I would, I would imagine. So, yeah. Take it back about twenty years. This guy called Afro Man. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I got high. Because we, I got high. We're having Afro Man concert in Park Hills on January eleventh. Yeah. For real? For yeah. real? Legit. Why am I just now hearing about this? Well, this is actually recent news. So, uh, a few yeah, months, I didn't even know about it. <laughs> a few months back, uh, he came into town and it was. No one really knew how to, like, ex- wait, what wait, to expect. I, hold on. I got questions. Yeah, go for I got it. questions. So, Afro Man is coming to town. He is. January 11th. Yes. Where? Uh, so, that'll be on Main Street Growth Supply, who is sponsoring the show underneath their shop. Is called the Park Hills Underground. Oh, this is dope. Yeah. So this was a this was a, a long project. You know, I, I got to stick around for a lot of uh, just watching the development of the Park Hills Underground, and now it's a, a pretty cool music venue. So they host a lot of local shows, a lot of uh, small time stuff, nothing too crazy, you know. But that's kind of his goal is to give uh, newer artists an opportunity to get out there. And um, anyway, yeah. So Afro Man came into town and. It was one of those shows that really nobody knew what was going to come of it, but obviously it turned into a huge smoke out and a phenomenal concert. And so you're doing this again? Yeah. So this has already happened once? Yeah. yeah what, this month, was Two th- months ago? No, it was longer than that. This was three? Like Labor Day, I think it was. Yeah, it was something like that. So he's yeah. agreed to come back? Yeah. And he's doing it again. Does he live here locally? No, no, no. Like he doesn't. Louisiana he shows up in his caddy like by himself. Yeah. I mean, this guy. Okay, first off, we, we have to get Afro Man on the podcast. Yeah, so okay. that, that okay. was actually. We, we uh, have to do that. I like, was uh, I was given the. You got to get high with Afro Man. Yeah, I was, gi- <laughs> I was given a mission. I was given a mission by my buddy Joe. He was. Uh, he definitely wanted me to mention that to you about. Fuck yes. So. Is, are, is the Stone Apes invited to the event? Absolutely. 100%. Oh, dude. You're already there as far as working. Dude, we'll cover that motherfucker. Done. Media on no this is exciting you so you heard it here guys so we got afro man coming to concert january 11th in park hills at the gross store yep uh and what time is that going to be so it'll be a kind of all day thing there's going to be vendors there's going to be you know food trucks stuff going on around the shop all day the show i want to say starts somewhere between five and six um and i'd say about maybe 
11 a.m. comfortably. There should be, you know, some activity. Okay, so you heard it here, guys. If you want to come out and get high with the cast and crew of the Stoned Apes, you want to hang out with Overland 573, you want to meet Afro Man and maybe possibly even get high with Afro Man. Yeah, you never know. You need to show up on (laughs) January 11th. I, I will make sure to have all this information down in the description when this podcast airs. I will also have advertising out on the website, so check our social media accounts. You guys will be able to see that there. But we are 100% going. Yeah, for sure. Thousand percent. And so how we even rolled into that is uh, we will be having trucks on display as well. Just, you know, he's a good friend of ours, so we love to support and you don't. Oh, really... so you're going to have the trucks outside for everybody? Yeah, to yeah, kind of... yeah, yeah. Oh, he's that's going to be our, fucking he's dope. He's also our business partner. Yeah, yeah. So, you know. We're going to have to get me a Land Cruiser before then. Or I'm going to have to borrow oh, somebody shit. so I can just claim it. <laughs> I can just be like, that one's mine. And yeah. we, we just don't have to tell him. <laughs> <laughs> Put a sticker on it for the day. Just, I'll just loan yeah. it for the yeah. day. It, yeah. It'll be a stoned apes car for the there day. You go. Yeah, you don't got to twist our arms too hard for something like that. So, yeah, we'll be we'll be hanging out for the day, have the rig set up, um, you know, stick around for the concert. You don't have to buy tickets to come hang out. That The, the concert's a separate thing. The vendor thing's a separate thing. So you can come hang out and, you know, stick around until the concert. And once After the concert- that, more than likely we'll And that was the same gross store that I went to with you, correct? It is. Oh, man, what a nice space. Yeah. That's a really nice space. Yeah, man, he, he he came a long way with that shop. He was down the street. That's uh, going to be a fantastic venue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we should have took you downstairs. Do you I'm know how much sure. tickets are? Oh, not much. They're definitely reasonable. Um, I, Yeah, we'd have to just throw that in the description. I'm not totally sure. I'll, I'll, I'll send you the link. You know? Okay. No, that man, that sounds fantastic. That's what I'm most excited about is all the stuff that uh, we're going to be able to do together. And, and this yeah. won't be the, the first or the, the – it would be the first time you're on the podcast. It definitely won't be the last time. Yeah. You know, we, we got to get me a rig so we can get out there and be tearing up the trails and doing all that stuff. And uh, now, um, have you guys had a chance to talk any more about the Willys Project? Oh, Am I man. putting you on the spot for that? I, on air? Kinda. Oh Look, shit. It's it's not so much that we don't want to do it. It's just, you know, we get... got so much to do. And it's not to say that we don't have project time. We love project time. Hell, if it was up to us, we'd strictly work on projects and not worry about the shop, but someone's gotta pay for it, you know. Yeah. Um nonetheless, definitely uh we we would need to build a team, you know. If we if we get a couple guys on board, we you know, one thing about our area is there's no shortage of good technicians, good welders, good fabricators. You know, you can build a dream team down here. So, well, that's that's where we hit the roadblock with the project. Is um, we were able to find people that were interested in it and, and doing it, but uh, we couldn't get the right team together for the project. And that's yeah. why I pitched it to you. I was like, "Hey, by the way, we've got this sick ass Jeep." Yeah. And I was like, "Man, you guys should one hundred percent remodel this for YouTube." As much as as much as we would love to take it on as a singular project, that's a tall order. So we'd we'd love to do it right. As, at, at some at, at point, some point, right I gotta move it out of my brother's driveway. <laughs> <laughs> Which is where it's at. It's in that that wonderful affectionate brother I mentioned earlier. Yeah, uh, yeah. He messages me every now and then. He's like, "Gotta get the Jeep." <laughs> yeah, what and you I was like, do with that Jeep?" I, okay. And then I tell him the same <laughs> thing. I'm like, "Okay." Yeah. And and it's still there because it's my brother. Uh, so, but at some point he's going to be pretty serious about it. And I'm going to have to like go get the Jeep. <laughs> so we might have to find like an alternative like parking spot for said yeah, Jeep. I think we can manage that much yeah. for sure. Okay. We okay. Get, How bad we, is this Jeep? I heard a little bit about it. He told me a little bit about it. Like. We're at on the like like a ten a ten. I'll show you photos scale. of it. It's on okay. our website. Okay, I'll show you photos of it. The Willys Project is on the website. It's pretty. F- it's it's um. I'm, I was gonna say it's pretty foobard. That's really okay. a lie. It, it's actually <laughs> somewhere in between. Um, the body is probably not salvageable. Okay, you can buy a new tub, but new everything tubs are else reproduced. is beautiful. Yeah. 
the frame is in really good condition. The axles are in really good condition. Uh, fuck, the tires even hold air. Right. The old the old military, the old like military the, tires. Okay, they even yeah. hold air. Except for one. One was losing air. The the it's steering hot air than the steering linkage is broke, which <laughs> makes it a real pain in the ass to move right now because it cuts it won't yeah. turn. So you have to like pull it straight on, pull it straight off. Um but what we were gonna do was we actually had a set of one ton axles for okay, it, yeah, suburban. What we were gonna do is turn it into a tube chassis crawler. And well, we were going to That sounds about right. Still. We were going to cut <laughs> the body pieces off and just pin the body pieces as sections mm. to the roll cage. And then uh Dakota <laughs> Teft our welder, he was going to design a custom the floor plan or the what do you call the the bottom pan of the body is called the floor the, pan. And yeah, floor pan, but, but the, I thought they would call it a Jeep it's called a tub. The tub. whole thing's a tub. Okay. Yeah. So the tub is rusted. Mhm. So what he was going to do is build a custom tub that we were going to actually make separate of the body that was on pins so that if you needed to work on your drivetrain or anything like that, if you were out on the trail and something broke, you could just pull the pins, pull the plates, and then you have access to the bottom of the vehicle through the top. So let me ask a question then. <laughs> At that point with that build, you might as well just take that Jeep, set it aside. Oh, thousand and percent. And then build a tube chassis but crawler. It's, it's it's number it's numbers matching. It yeah. still yeah. Yeah. Man, so I think, I think there's, no, in there's a way to incorporate it. Yeah, because it's a I, nineteen it. it's a nineteen fifty six, I believe. Uh, we we, we had it wrong. I think we thought it was a forties. It's a fifty six Willys CJ five. Right, the original. The OG. So, yeah, well, it's not a Willys Jeep. It's a Willys CJ five. So this is okay, when this Jeep is, went over to the CJ5. Now, what the only thing that isn't right on is actually the windshield. Somebody had taken an Older's Willys windshield and put it on there because the Willys windshield has the um, windshield wipers at the top. Okay. This windshield wipers is at the bottom. So somebody, and it looked like somebody had, at some point had tried to re remodel it or, or up the resto mod, whatever they were doing to it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got some new parts on it, but it's still the the tailgate is still stamped with the willies. It's it's numbers matching. I've got the original plating on it and all that other stuff. Um, and it has the uh, that old two fifty eight motor or something okay. like that in there. But what I was going to do and what my brother suggested was putting a Detroit diesel four cylinder in it. Ooh, that would be cool. He wanted to put a yeah. Detroit diesel four cylinder and then, like I said, just build it up as a tube crawler. Well. I I mean, like at that point, though, it's, you said it's a, like basically a numbers matching Jeep, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you're majorly molesting it at that point. I, it was given to us for free. Okay, we I mean, rescued this out of yeah. a field. Okay, right on that. And, and yeah. I can't even say we. <laughs> so shout out to Smoke. Smoke lives in Louisiana. Okay, and he is a uh, homesteader. He's retired military. He's been on the show a few times. He's one of our OGs. He is a podcast OG, and I love this guy to death. He was mowing this field for somebody with his tractor and discovered in the middle of this field this <laughs> old Chevy's frame and this Jeep. And then he was just like, sends me photos. And he was like, so the owner wants me to get rid of these things and I don't want them. Do you want them? And I was like, are you serious? I was like, that's a pretty big ask. He's like, yeah, I'll, I'll bring them up to Missouri. So he took these out of the field, loaded them up on a truck. Now he has a tractor, so he just put the forks underneath of it, picked it up, mm -hmm. set it on a trailer and was done. His life was so much better than ours. Um, <laughs> and then he just drove it here. 
and uh, he dropped it off, and he was like, "Here you go," and uh, th- that was it. And so we have zero dollars invested in this sheet. Okay, I got on, gotcha. And uh, there is no there. I really have no care of keeping it original because I don't have any interest in owning a stock Jeep. Right. Just don't, especially a stock Willie style Jeep. Like yeah. I want forties minimum. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Giant one ton axles, crawler gears, like two JZ turbo. Two JZ. Oh, now that would be Toyota. Yeah, six hundred horsepower turbo. Fuck yeah, and that would take care of the low end power, dude. Because well, max torque would be like what twenty two to twenty five hundred RPMs. So this might even be like oh yeah, two JZ all day long, dude. Ooh, we should get an old IS. Find an old totaled IS with a good two JZ in it. That's the easiest way to pick up the JZs. Well, there we go. You got a project. Dun, dun, dun. So, so I mean, like this is probably too early in, even in our, in our in our business even but I mean I even talked to Brandon about it a little bit but like a a SEMA build of some sort man <laughs> like you know like I don't know if it's even doable like this year even because that's November is SEMA I think I mean but like having something like that a project like that to showcase something like at SEMA that'd be so fucking awesome yeah like so I don't think that could be this year even with no, what we that's a, with what we do but that's I mean, definitely like, a long term but something like that know, guys something like that we're gonna man. do it come on yeah i don't i don't think that's asking too much i it's funny, one year so, or two year i think realistically like i said if we put it if we really really buckle down on a project like that i don't think it would take more than a year um, november so no, november is sema yeah, and every SEMA build is built like two days before the fucking. That's what I'm show. saying. So, you know, I mean, like it, it's fitting. I, you know, SEMA builds are what they are. It's and SEMA you know build. what? I mean, in all honesty, like I don't know what that tub looks like, but I think rustic is cool. Like, have you had a tube, like a clean tube yeah, chassis that's under exactly it, what with I a rusty tub on top that's of exactly it? Exactly what and I fucking forties would be so sick. I'll, I have all the photos on the uh, website. Yeah. So when we're done here, I'll fire up the website. Oh, yeah. I'll show you the pictures of yeah. it. It's sitting two miles from here. Oh, right on. If you guys want to go look at it, I can. We can just drive over to my brother's house and just let you take a look at it. Oh, my brother lives right down the road from here. Right on. So hey, let's eat some <laughs> shrooms and walk. <laughs> it's a little too far to shroom and walk. Oh, yeah. So we'll 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 it'd, do shroom. It'd be quite the walk. <laughs> you yeah. got to get there before it kicks in. <laughs> Yeah, it Not would be. Chance. It's a little farther than that, <laughs> but it it's probably uh, realistically, it's more like ten minutes. But gotcha. he yeah, he yeah. lives over in uh, uh, Peavley, which is just oh, right a ways oh, away okay. from here. Okay. So, but uh, yeah, we could go take a look at it if you guys would like to take a look at it because I would love awesome, for yeah. that to be a SEMA build. And uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I got this really cool. I, I only have one requirement. It just has to have a Stone Apes logo, and I got to be allowed to drive it. Yeah, dude, oh, like something oh, like that in engraved ah! in the hood, man. Yeah. Like engraved, like oh, dude, like I'm almost, I'm envisioning like right now, like a welder burn of the Stone Apes logo, like on the hood or something, like or, a torch turned down, yeah, Use the smoke clear coat over it, fuck yeah, yeah and keep keep that, that rustic old look, school man. chopper style oh, back in the seventies. Oh hell yeah, that's just what I'm envisioning, man. <laughs> that's yeah. actually a really good idea, like doing it like all rustic and like yeah. have the rust yeah. and not even repainting it. it, no, oh, just leaving it. it clear coat oh, right over. Yeah. It. Fuck yeah, I mean, it'd be like a rat rod. Yes, yeah. we gotta be honest. If that thing is getting forties on it, it's gonna it's gonna meet some trees. It's gonna be popping. It's gonna it's gonna it's gonna go nasty. Yeah, for sure. No way around. Do you think you should do the forties or do you think we should do pizza cutters like do thirty sevens and just do them all narrow and nasty? Made a tire. Say what? Let's just do haul truck tires. Let's go straight to 88s. <laughs> Hemet tires on that motherfucker. Yeah, no way. No, 40, how big 80s. are the Hemet tires? Aren't those like 50 somethings? Haven't you seen them? Uh, yeah, those I've things are fucking huge, man. 
They're bigger than 44s. They got to be at least 50s. They're or probably 52s. 50. You're probably right. Yeah. Yeah. They're huge. Yeah. Most worthless tire ever invented. Though. <laughs> <laughs> 40s at least. 42s. I think 42s look good on Jeeps, man. The CJ5 is a small frame, though, man. That's a tiny Jeep, really, you know? I've always wanted yeah. the Super Swamper boggers, though. Do it. Dude, oh put some cut, cut 44 <laughs> fucking super swampers on that bitch. Old school, man. Yeah. And rip that thing to shreds. Yeah. But I really We wouldn't think... be able to drive it to the trail, though. So that's that's one thing I think that would be a requirement, at least for me, is 40s. it has to be able to yeah. drive we would have on to put the road. It, yeah, I wouldn't want to do that. <laughs> and the reason swampers. I say that is that we've, we've seen too many examples, even recently, you know, like um, Aaron Grady, huge Toyota guy. He drove from St. Louis down to our shop for our grand opening. And this little Toyota is a rig. I mean, what was he, 37s? At least 40s, maybe? Yeah, I think he was on 40s. On 40s. Hydro assist steering. The whole nine. I mean, this thing is a trail monster. And he can let go of the wheel on the highway 70 miles an hour. No question. Wouldn't the thing that would get you, though, is if we did it as a tube chassis crawler, and I say we... These are just my ideas now. I'm just throwing myself into this. It's 100% we. um, and we did like a Marlin crawl box and stuff mm-hmm. like that in there. That is what's going to keep it from being able to be drove on road. Well, it I, really isn't going to be anything else. It's just going to be too low geared, wouldn't it be? No, it doesn't. The Marlin your crawl box. Your gears are one hundred percent up to you. What you want to put in it? Oh, well, the, yeah, the gears can be. I mean, three seventy threes even. I mean, really, mm-hmm. if you you put the Marlin crawler in it, then it doubles it down. Because I actually like the idea of doing the two yeah. Jay Z motor in there, dude. Yeah, because I mean, that's, that's a easy motor to get do. tons That'd of power. Yeah. Out. You could look fine in a block for under ten. Years. Yeah, talk. Well, no, <laughs> oh, they're easy. The, le- the, 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 the my my model my Lexus IS is the new body style. I've got the two FE. I think, or yeah. something like that. I would, I would say the the early IS three hundreds were the early either one JZ or two JZ, and they're the they are the easiest way to pick up a two JZ yeah. motor because you can go get them. They're at about bottom dollar now, so they <laughs> yeah. all sell between four and five grand or less, or less for sure. And they all have if they're the three fifties, they all have the two JZ engine in it, which makes it about ten thousand dollars cheaper for the motor than trying to just go buy the motor yeah because the motors are by themselves are selling 10 to 15. Yeah. so we're using your car as a donor car <laughs> no 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 i have the i have the two fe yeah. i have the newer series motor right. which my motor is not nearly as cool as right. the two jz yeah. i wish they would have kept the two jz because then i could twin turbo the car and i would have 600 horsepower in the car yeah. and it would be a monster yeah, 600 have, horsepower is even mild for two jz yeah i mean you know but it reliable power though. i have yeah that's the, a, that's 100 yeah, crawler. there is nothing really. The, there's no real mods for the motor that's upstairs. They have a supercharger that you can get through RR Racing Dang. that'll net you about 560 horsepower, but it's expensive. Mm-hmm. It's about 15 grand. Yeah. And the where it sits right now, I have a so I have an RR Racing tune on there, um, which is really about all you can do. They just retune the motor, and I think it's got like 330 horsepower, that's fun. 340 mm-hmm. horsepower. Like it's nothing crazy, but it's not enough. Like if we were going to do a crawler, we'd want to get stupid. Now, how would the off road and the turbos work? Wouldn't water be a real issue? Uh, I mean, if you got a snorkel and everything sealed up. So uh, actually, with the turbo or superchargers, what a lot of people do is you bring the intake back into the cab. So like at the footwell oh. of your, the footwell of your passenger. So like when you're going so, through water, it's sucking from the cab of the vehicle versus outside of the vehicle. So where Brandon always gets water is where it would be going. <laughs> there's, there's ways around it. <laughs> yeah. Or I mean, you could go slower through the water or yeah, around you know, the water. Okay. With, with crawlers, well, you're does, not gonna. Re- doesn't the de- doesn't the diesel have the same issue off road? Like, isn't dust or something an issue with the diesel? I forget. 
there there's some something with the intake on the diesel off road that makes that, or maybe I'm mis misinterpreting Shoot. that. For, I mean, for me, diesels are just they're just so torquey. It's hard. Yeah. To, it's hard to really get a little in between when you need it. It's always pretty no, much it, full beans. And, <laughs> and going back to the snorkel joke I just made, and you staying speaking of dust, that's a lot of things people don't realize is. A lot of us here in Missouri in particular, we're not buying snorkels because we're going through water that's six foot deep. We're buying snorkels. Oh, I did. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean. It's part of it for sure. It's but. part of it, but half of what a snorkel's for is for dust. Clean mm -hmm. air. You get clean air the higher up you go. See, I've never had anything snorkeled yet. I want to snorkel just simply for the looks. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, it really doesn't I'm need to do I'm shit. I'm a snorkel expert. I've, I've installed <laughs> more than anybody. Oh, so. You're going to use that corn cob pipe to smoke that weed with? Yeah, I already, Hell, I already ripped a couple of them. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You caught me off guard. I was fresh off the bowl. Start with <laughs> yeah. me on the intro. Shout out to the Mercantile out there. So I went up to the Mercantile in uh, Union, Missouri. Do you guys know the story on that place? The Union, uh, or is it Washington? Washington, Washington. is the corn cob capital of the uh, world. So something like a was Did it uh, what corn yeah, cob pipe capital of the world? Yeah, Kansas who was the general uh, in World War II? Was it Douglas MacArthur? Mark Twain. So Douglas, I think it was <laughs> Douglas <Wayne>. MacArthur. <laughs> I don't even this guy. Um, Douglas MacArthur smoked a big long corn cob pipe. Okay, and I may be wrong. Somebody in the audience will correct me right. if I ever misquote anything. Trust me, I get forty fucking messages like right away. They're like, "Oh, you said this." And I was like, "Dude, I'm high." Like I don't fucking <laughs> care. So uh, anyway, he uh, smoked corn cob pipes. So I go okay. up there to Washington, to the Mercantile. The place that does this is called the Mercantile. They are one of the oldest producers of corn cob pipes in the United States. And Isn't I got that wild? You yeah. can fucking tell this so thing's smooth. I got a whole collection of them over <laughs> yeah. there. Now, I have a Rossi pipe next to it, so I have some regular pipes, but those are corn cob pipes oh, yeah. that are there. And so this particular pipe is made just for cannabis. And so when okay. I was up there, I turned it over, I seen the pot leaf, and I was like, I gotta buy a, porn, a corn cob <laughs> pot Maybe. pipe. I'm not even gonna lie, it's probably the smoothest Thing Dude, it's amazing, yeah, isn't it? Life. Yeah, yeah. Like, and it's so absolutely bought that. So yeah, I said, I said, do you want right to? I said, <laughs> do you want to smoke weed out of a corn cob pipe? And Brandon's like, oh, yeah. And so yeah, here sure. we are. You know, well, like, it's an experience. They're handcrafted, man. They're they're solid. You know, it's a pipe, but shit, it, it's a good pipe. We got to get them to sponsor the podcast. I'll, I'll message them. I'll be like, hey, uh, man, yeah. we're smoking weed through your shit. Like, you need to hook <laughs> us makes, up. That makes me wonder why we don't have a dedicated camp like wooden pipe. I think that's. That's on the I bowl. got one. Well, oh yeah, you did mention some yeah. crazy ass one. You said the bowl's big as fuck on that thing, though. Didn't you? Yeah, I actually made it. It's it's made. <laughs> I carved it out of a thorn tree stump, about that big around. Locust, thorn, like briar. Oh, briar wood. That's what it's called, I believe. From I don't briar? know. Okay, anyway, you know yeah. thorns on a thorn tree are like stabby, it's a locust. Yeah, you know, they're locust that tree, goddamn big. So yeah, I cut this tree stump out of the barn lot. We had this thorn tree just destroying that is everything like in the barn lot. Stinky and fucking wood, man. Dude, Anyways. it was honestly <laughs> so hard to sand and shake. It's hardwood. Yeah. Very hardwood. And the, anyways, I, I made the bowl out of that and then I had some walnut I made or had. I Those are like uh, the two worst ones to do with, man. I don't know what I'm doing. I was high. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to sit here and act I like got I'm... High. Because <laughs> I got high. End up with this big-ass pipe. <laughs> I was going to make but a pipe. But it it's legit. It, I mean, it, it worked. I've smoked out of it, and it's about that big. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's about we'll, we'll have to get a photo of that. We'll, we'll put that up when we advertise for the episode. So, <laughs> I'll tell you what, gentlemen. I have really enjoyed this conversation, but we are definitely out of time for this one. Um, 
thank you guys so much for coming out and hanging out with me today. 100%. And uh, especially for going on the trail ride, Brandon, you have no idea how much fun I fucking had on that damn yeah, trail sure. ride. It's always a um, good time. We're going to do that more. again. Yeah, you got to come out, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm working on trying to get a Rick. Yeah. Um, until then, I'm probably going to have to do the tag along thing. And, That's uh, fine. There's plenty yeah. of seats. I gotta, I gotta find a rig that I really want to drop the money on. We'll have to talk about that before we get done. But uh, we're always, do we come across rigs all the time? I mean, we, we off, we cruise the marketplace, Craigslist <laughs> all the time, dude. I mean, like we can find you something <coughs> that would fit your criteria. Okay, like, well, easily, yeah. We'll, we'll definitely talk about that here in, yeah. in just a few minutes. Right. So we'll, we'll keep getting high and do that. <laughs> but uh, man, I just appreciate you guys coming out. Um, I'll tell you what, for all of the listening audience, man, if you guys are still out there listening. Do me a favor, go check out Overland 573. I'm going to have links to their uh, their website in the description. You'll have uh, their their Facebook account, and you guys have a Facebook group as well? Uh, STL Toyota Off-Road. STL, so why don't you take a minute and plug your organization, tell everybody how to find you, and I'll make sure I duplicate the, all that in the description. Facebook, uh, STL Toyota Off-Road. Instagram, we I just changed it to uh, Life Off-Road, which is the name of our the new name of our podcast. I've changed the podcast a couple times, but Life Off Road is the podcast that we have. We didn't even talk about that. No. You have a podcast? We have a podcast. Shit. I'm just we now have, hearing honestly, about that. Honestly, that's the trickiest thing with sitting down with us. We will talk your ear off about things for We could days. easily set the record for Stone Day longest podcast <laughs> and not have an issue. <laughs> yeah. We'll come back for a part two. Part oh. two. But yeah, I mean, yeah, Life Off Road, sure. uh, it, it's been a intermittent thing for years, and um, we're trying to pick up steam. Uh, I record a little bit at home. We record some at the, at the shop, but uh, it's all uh, at the beginning. It was all Toyota based, but I'm like, ah, it's too specific, you know. So now it's just life off road and everything we do uh, outside, man. In, in all honesty, camping, photography, uh, off roading, yeah. kayaking. What we've talked about today, just a lot more in depth. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Awesome. And I do want to clarify something for our audience, and I know this to be true, but I just want to be able to say this so the audience knows it to be true, but they don't need to own a Toyota to hang out with no, you guys. Absolutely right? not. Because we went with Jeeps. Like yeah. we went out with all kinds of people, yeah, like Broncos, uh, Rangers, so, you name it. 50s, no side by sides. No side by sides. No what? Oh, okay. Yeah, no. I, I'll show up in a side by side. You watch. Um, Brandon's already warned about that. He's like, God damn it. No. So, uh, well, that's good. And uh, yeah, we'll de we'll definitely make sure that we put all this stuff in the description so people can get to your organization. And uh, I'm interested in checking out the podcast. So listen, see what you guys got there. Right on. So. Um, but uh, absolutely fantastic. So if you're still out there listening, do me a favor. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button and then click that notification bell so you don't miss future episodes. We try to drop our episodes every Friday at 420. Sometimes they come out a little bit later. We have a Saturday, my midnight deadline, just in case. So make sure you keep an eye out for us there. Go ahead and visit us at www.thestonedapespodcast.com. You can check us out and you can see our upcoming shows. You also have access to our player and then access to all of our social media accounts right there off our website so go ahead and take it take a check out that and i'll make sure to have those links in the description for you i want to take a second and thank our sponsors a big thank you to malevolent art tattoo studio out of barnhart missouri that is our man anthony ferguson over there out of malevolent art if you guys are in the market for a new tattoo do me a favor and make sure you check out anthony ferguson uh his line work is is color saturated is absolutely fantastic he's got a great group of artists over there give them a call look down in the description and you'll see uh, a link to him. Mention the Stoned Apes podcast and you will get 
$50 off of any booked appointment. Our next sponsor is Nanogenesis Labs. Nanogenesis Labs was founded to heal the world. They strive to do so by providing supplements derived from cutting-edge technology that heal the body on a molecular level without introducing toxins that can cause dangerous side effects. Their team has developed a series of extraordinary and proprietary technologies producing high-quality uh, fullerene derivatives I'm not sure what that means, but uh, <laughs> they're having a, a an anisoptic. I'm going to have to redo this. I don't know how to pronounce half of these words because these people are too complicated for me. But I will redo that later because I have the power to edit and I am fucking awesome. I can't literally read their description. It's too much. Hey, All right. I'm not smart enough. I'm not saving... smart enough for nanogenesis labs, apparently. <laughs> yeah. When you're saving the world, man, it requires some big words. Holy <laughs> shit, man. Look at that. This should be their advertisement. It's what the I walked fuck? out of public speech in high school. What the fuck is that? Like, all right, all right, hold on. So we'll, we'll fuck around with this for a minute. Their team has developed a series of extraordinary and proprietary technologies producing high quality. Fucking me. Full, fullerene derivatives having anisotropic character. No, we're changing this. With biochemical availability on a cellular level. In nanogenesis, they strive to improve the human condition and lifespan quality through advanced technology. No shit. Yeah, use the code. Fuck me. Okay, we'll do that over. <laughs> All right. One for sponsorship. Okay. All right. So, with that, the stoned apes are out. Peace out. I actually may end up leaving that just like that because I don't give a fuck. <laughs> That'll show them to give you long distance. Yeah.